Welcome to the Arena Decklist Podcast. I'm Jerry Thompson, joined by Brian Gottlieb, and I think this is going to be a podcast that is not really about Decklist and is becoming less and less about Arena over time, although I guess we'll talk about Arena some in this episode. I just want to pull back the curtain a little bit here on our creative process as we put together these shows. I want it to be known that I came to the table with like a, let's talk about these Decklist type show. And no, in, you did. I, I was going to get In this instance, in this instance, you are the one pushing me down the rabbit hole of conspiracies and nonsense. So Bro. I, I feel like I get a lot of the blame for that on the podcast. And I just want to say that's fair. But in this instance, in I, this you're one, the one shaping us in this direction. Brian, you know that I have a modern deck dump pulled up, ready to go. I've, I went looking for this. I yep. found this. Yep. I, I selected the one that we were going to do. Yep. It's pretty great, honestly. And then you're like, well, what about, uh, you know, the recent dramas? And I was like, okay, well, we can add this third drama. And you're like, I'm in. So you tempted me. You tempted me. You suggested it. You opened the door. Um, Both topics seemed like they would be a a pretty easy show, a slam dunk. You know, the the modern deck list dumps are generally pretty easy, pretty good. I feel like they're well-received. I don't think anyone has ever been like, yo, awesome deck dump episode or whatever, but like they keep listening. Those, so. those honestly, I get more like positive feedback on deck dumps than almost anything else. People just like do more deck dumps and I am shocked by it. I am always shocked by it. I'm like, how can, how can people want to hear this? But a lot of people like that. So maybe we should commit to now that I'm we tease a visual people, learner. Yeah. I'm yeah. A visual learner, man. I could, I could not do it. Uh, I agree with you, but people really do like that. And maybe we'll commit to it for next week. Cause uh, it's been a while since we did one of those and, you know, haven't tracked through the brothers war impact on these older formats in a bit. So a modern listen, deck dump could be good. There is an alternate timeline where magic didn't go to shit. The world didn't continue going to shit. And maybe we're like making enough money that we can pay someone to make YouTube videos of the deckless dump episodes where there are actual visual aids. Yeah. Could you imagine? That would be nice. Yeah. It'd be really cool. It would be great. Instead of listen to this podcast (laughs) when I know that y'all are only listening to podcasts when you're doing something else. Right. (laughs) And it's just like, Oh yeah. Just follow along on the magic online deck list. Like it's a, you know, school assignment or whatever. No one's doing that, man. No. But, what, but people like it. Like Somebody likes it. I, I'm telling no, I you, I, I get more I positive response to those episodes than almost anything else. So it's, it's very odd. I agree with you. I think, I think you and I are just different people. And one of the things that, I'll, I guess I'll toot our own horn for a little bit. One of the things I think we do good is that we don't always make the show that we want. We make the show that other people want. And I think that's very good for content creators to be aware of like what your audience is into, even if it's something you're not into. So I mostly agree with you, and we keep going back to it because every time I'm like, we should stop doing this, a hundred people jump out of the woodwork and are like, do it. Okay, I'm not, I'm not going to argue. Yeah, and it's it's not just like we're asking people to. I mean, we're still checking the numbers and looking at metrics and stuff like that, and that is kind of how we ended up at least, uh, you know, pre-COVID, transitioning more away from like the hardcore, like spiky, spiky stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But that's the show that I wanted to make, and I did for a while, and then turns yeah, out- that And then I ruined it, right. No, the other stuff was just way more popular. <laughs> so yeah, you, you do what the market wants. Anyway, yeah, we got a nice discourse episode for y'all. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting. The other thing, Brian, last week I was going to mention a thing to you uh, that you you interrupted me catching Pokemon mm. to make me 
to make me do a podcast. Mm. Well, have you caught them all now? Or have have you completed your task? Are you, dude? No, because my friends are slacking. Let me tell you. Okay, so I have a friend here who now lives legit like two blocks away from me. I can just I walk to his house right, and he was like shotgun violet, which is the good one, right? So I have to get Scarlet, which is like this ugly chicken thing. And have you seen the box legendaries? Mm, Like maybe in passing, but not enough to digest them. Okay. So they're like kind of like lizard dragons, right? One is futuristic and purple and looks dope. The other one looks like a mutated chicken. And then you start playing the game. And both of them also have like two tires like on their body for reasons. So they're, they're motorcycles too. They, they are motorcycles. Okay. Uh, so th- they are the mount that you use in the game. Yeah, okay. And the the futuristic, cool, awesome-looking one uses his wheels because he's a fully functioning, like, actual machine, right? And then the other one has the wheels but just runs, and the wheels don't move. Inefficient. It just bothers me so much. Anyway, so my friend at one point was further than I was. And I was like, damn, I got to catch up. So catch up. I did. And the basically just stopped playing. So have I caught them all? No, because you need someone else to progress in the game on the other version to, to trade you the stuff. So I traded him all my stuff, but not has not been reciprocated. My man. Well, you are not the best. Like no one ever was. And I am disappointed. Listen, I did. I did what I could in my game, you know, Back in the day when I had no friends, I would just buy two copies of the game. You may have to revert to that strategy. I really, I don't want to. I, I can just like message people on Discord too, but I don't want to be a bother. You know what I mean? I'm sure they would happily share their Pokemon with you. I know I, it's funny. Would, you, you are coming up with such positive impressions and I have seen thoughts all over the place on these Pokemon games. And I, I usually play most of the main Pokemon releases that come out, uh, you know, not to the same extent you did. I dabbled a little bit in like the competitive aspect and, and got familiar with it and realized it wasn't for me. So, but, but as far as games go, like, you know how I am with games, I dabble in something, move on to the next thing very quickly. Pokemon usually does get a good solid week out of me as I like complete yeah. the main quest and that's it. Haven't touched this one yet. Uh, some of it okay. just being like really busy. Some of it being, I, I started to feel the formula wear a little thin on me, like the last few, few go arounds and it wasn't hitting the same. So it's- Dude, it's so yeah. much better. Okay, you, so. you are giving this game a ringing endorsement, which is weird because I've seen a lot of like middling takes about it thus far. Oh my God. Okay, so two things. First, for the competitive stuff, you can literally just have a deck code. Someone can build a team, share their code with you, and you can just use it. And you can just like scrape these off the internet. There are plenty of like... They basically have arena deck lists for Pokemon team codes. Mm-hmm. That's which, good. That's a wow, big step. You genius. Got, yeah, you got to take a lot of the... I mean, like, I understand that there's an aspect of like, oh, you train up your ideal Pokemon team, but that doesn't really happen. Like, you just kind of either grind or you just cheat and trade or whatever. It, it's like, it, it isn't actually... It's the work you have to do before you get to play the game. And yes, I think removing that is a very smart decision. Other aspect of it is if you don't have friends or don't have the internet and can't find these team codes, or you want to like change a slight thing on a team or whatever, which is the thing that I always want to do. 
Yeah. It's really easy to just like train stuff in this game because okay, basically, cool. basically all the stuff you used to have to do like post game grinding yep. in a very slow manner to buy things. And now it's just like, oh, just sell it for money. Okay. So all, all the stuff you can just buy for money. You don't even have to breed anymore if you don't want to. You can just buy things to max your stats. Anyway, uh, there's that aspect of things. It's really easy. If you want to dabble and you're like, oh, I really like the look of this thing. Let's find a team with it. You, you take a, a, a team code. Like you could be an hour into the game and probably playing that thing on ladder. I'm pretty sure. So whatever. That, it's, that's interesting. Dude, it's super simple. Anyway, the other thing is I, I don't understand what is going on with people. I, I get that this is a triple A game release and that, yes, there are some bugs. My, ga- I, my game is forced closed maybe three times in a week and a half of playing. Uh, and apparently there are a bunch of ways around this, but the the actual bugs that exist in game are all, all just like graphical stuff, at least from my experience and basically from what I've seen on the internet too. It was just like, okay, yeah, some background characters are a little bit laggy or whatever. And, you know, sometimes like you load into funny places or there's some clipping or, you know, like that does, it's not great. It's not ideal, but it doesn't detract from the enjoyment of, like the core gameplay. Yeah. Like numbers go up and collecting things and all that sort of stuff. It's just like minor distraction from just massive amounts of dopamine. And it's so fast now, dude, every aspect of it. Like you don't have to like go into just random battles and grind for like a hundred XP. You just like send a thing out on the overworld. It auto battles things. Cause there are things appearing on the overworld and then you're running around like grabbing the items and stuff while you're just also grinding it, it's just all so fast so snappy i gotta say you're you're doing a great job selling me which is unfortunate because i really don't have time to add anything else to my plate right now but uh Dude, that's I, fine three months from now it's still gonna be a great there. game yeah it doesn't matter no that's true that's a good way of looking at it and uh you know i'm i'm trying to get myself a little bit of downtime in the the coming weeks maybe take a little a little refresh so maybe in that period i can go ahead and add this to my to-do list but there's there's so many other things i'm like trying to catch up on in that same period so we'll we'll see we'll see if i get to pick it up soon i mean if you wait there's it's entirely possible that you know they they patch some stuff improve performance whatever yep cool yeah and or we get a, a new switch maybe that's a little bit more capable i think that's yeah, probably a possibility it is and that would certainly be nice but yeah man it, it's still gonna be good like i i think sword and shield was uh, a good step forward for the franchise because they spent like actual decades without really tweaking the formula because the formula just worked, right? Of and course, And then yeah. Sword and Shield, they did a bunch of weird stuff. I think most of it people liked. And then Arceus, I think, was just the testing ground for a lot of weird stuff. And I think that they specifically implemented the actual good stuff from Arceus and merged that with Sword and Shield. And the game is phenomenal. Good, good pitch. Nintendo, hire this man. This is this is your uh, your future it's, salesman. It's, it's not hard. Just just like play the game and enjoy it instead of like baby whining about how the person in the background moves kind of slow. Well, you know? you know, this is this is the gaming space, Gerald. What we do here is lots of baby whining, and uh, you know, as we move through this podcast, we may do our own share of baby whining. So who knows? Hell yeah! I think I think that was it for for kind of my nonsense. It's just like. You, you interrupted my Pokemon catching. It kind of got slowed down because I, I don't have all the things, nor is my friend anywhere near getting me the rest of the things so that I would have like a little push to maybe, you know, 
finish the work on my account or whatever. So I don't know. I'm just kind of chilling now. Uh, I haven't played in the last couple of days, but well, you, it does feel like it's your destiny to be the very best. Like no one ever was. And you keep teaching me. I'll keep teaching you and we'll see where it takes us in our Pokemon journey. Oh, what about tactics ogre? Yeah, that's kind of stalled out a little bit. I'm sorry. I know this game is important to you, which is one of the <laughs> no, reasons I want to play it. Ryan, I I honestly don't care if you or anyone else plays it because well, it's a thing. It's a thing that I like, and it's 20 years old. Yeah. So one of the things that's really standing out about it is like stairs. <laughs> like there's just stairs yes. everywhere, and yes. uh, there's there's also just a ton. It's very deep, which is like awesome you know any game that has systems that run so deep like that it's it's worth lauding and it, it, it is exciting but at this stage in my gaming career i actually tend to prefer some shallowness or depth in a way that is accessible via shallow loops if that makes any sense whatsoever like a game i've played a lot of is like the binding of isaac which is actually an extremely complicated game when you get into the nitty-gritty of it but the surface level gameplay loop is extremely simple. So that that's where I really like my deep, complicated games. And I guess like you could put things like Team Fight Tactics in the same boat yeah. where yeah. the actions you're taking are all very defined, very simple. It's just they have a lot of permutations and you know, games move quickly enough. So I, I think it's probably not a good fit for my gaming MO right now. I was enjoying it, like the pace was just a little slow, and then like you know, when I play a game, I want to I under- I understand the systems. I want to understand how things work. And there's just yeah. so much depth to it. So, uh, you know, it's going in my back catalog. I may revisit it someday. But I I was happy just like moving through the first introductory parts and like seeing little bits of it and understanding why it could be uh, such you, an important game. Dude, you keep saying that you didn't even finish chapter one. Chapter one is the good part. I think I and finished chapter one. The end of chapter one. Uh, maybe I didn't. No. Okay. It's it's where you have to make the first relevant storyline decision. Yeah, I don't recall that. I know, because you didn't get there, because you played for an hour. I think I got two, two hours, hours in. Two yeah, hours. I think I got two hours. Which is like two fights or whatever, you know? Be- and I know They're that long because... fights, yeah, they took a yeah, long time. The game is not snappy. I've, nope. I've played through it multiple times. The PSP remake was awesome. From the looks of it, this remake is also awesome. If... People want like a, a very old school because it is old school, slow, methodical, but like well-written, awesome characters, uh, you know, very, very deep tactics RPG. Then Tactics Ogre is great. It's my favorite game of all time. But at the same time, I know that that's a very small subsection of people. Right. And I'm also not replaying this one. I, and I should. You would think that if like they remastered and redid and like added voice acting to like my favorite game, I would want to replay it. But no, like I'm in the same boat as you, man. It's like I I don't have time for this stuff. Yep. Yep. So give me give me Pokemon because I can play for like 30 minutes and just feel so good at the end of it because I accomplished so much. And that's kind of what I'm talking about when I'm saying it's snappy and everything. It's like there there's no stairs whatsoever. Yeah, taking out those stairs, very big step. And you know it. There's a place for stairs. Like there's some charm in it. It's got to be the right place, right time. And one of the things that sort of pulled me towards it was that like having it on my Steam Deck, I thought would maybe open up some of those opportunities. But it's just, it's not built for that, right? Like the the fights are so long, like you mentioned, and it's very hard to like pick up in the middle of it. So it, it just isn't designed with those sensibilities in mind, which is totally fine. They didn't exist when the game was made. So it makes, it makes sense. Right. 
Uh, worst, worst part about Pokemon, though, just to be you know completely honest, is that the the boxes like where your Pokemon are stored don't load immediately. Like the images of the Pokemon don't load immediately. Mm. So you have to like when you're like scrolling through your boxes looking for something. Are you like it, wait it, on the new screen for the images to load in? Yeah, it takes like half a second or whatever, which is very tilting because it's the antithesis of what I want and what the game is providing in, in other avenues. So right. That's one of those things where I'm just like, oh, they'll be able to pack that out somehow. They'll figure it out. Anyway, on to the discourse. Dude, where do you want to start? You want to start with this Magic 30 stuff? I guess so. I guess I mean, like so many discourses have happened, but it feels like that was the the biggest discourse of the week, right? I, I honestly don't know. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I basically like people, people will, like send me things or like mention a thing. Like you sent me a discord message. I'm just like, who, what now? I was like, Oh, that thing came out today. Like, okay. But yeah, basically what happened is like they, they, they put magic 30 on sale. Right. And it's one of those things where they're selling it through a website directly to consumers. Correct. Correct. The feedback, or I guess like the user experience was like, Website was like pretty snappy, wasn't very great. like laggy. It was or great. Anything, I, right? I did it. I personally did it. So I was like, I, I want to see, you know, what's going on with this. Logged in. And if you've like, I feel like this is a common experience. Maybe it's just like the type of things I'm into. But during this pandemic era where things have been harder to get your hands on, there's been a lot of digital like PS5s. PS5 is the first thing to come to mind. Graphics oh. cards is another one. Oh, a yeah. lot of digital waiting. And if you've tried to get any of these items, you know how it goes. You're lucky if you're able to get in the queue. The queue then says something like you have a two-hour wait, and then things are gone by the time you get in. And this is when you are literally there the second these things pop up. The second. I'm talking like the moment you have RSS feeds and every kind of notification you can possibly get to try and grab one of these things. And it just doesn't work because the demand is so high. With this... It was about uh, probably 25 minutes after it went up and I was just like scrolling through my Twitter and saw the tweet that it was up. I was like, huh. And then I went, did the process, immediately was at the front of the line. About 30 seconds later, I had the thing in my cart and I could check out ready to go. No stress, no pressure. Just to clarify, you did not check out. I did not check out. That is correct. Okay. Did not check out. I was pretty sure. I would have put money on it. I may have bet my life on it. But just so there is no confusion among listeners, you were not there to purchase said product. Yep. I I think like purchasing it and then making a quick $500 was probably like a very easy thing that anyone could have done. I don't really blame anyone who chose to do that. It's sort of just like free money sitting out there. And, you know, circumstances are always different. If you're offered free money, sometimes you should take it. Is that actually true? And especially given the way that things turned out. Well, my friend sold one on eBay for sixteen hundred the next day. So I mean is is what it is. It it wow. just had that demand. And uh, I don't I don't know Did why. It? I, I Did don't it? know why I, I, I thought that's the point that we were gonna get well, to. Well, that's the thing I don't understand is that in the aftermarket it seemingly did have that demand and the eBay, eBay sales. I mean, let's look now. I'll, I'll go take a look at eBay and we see if we can find some completed sales. All right. Well, you do that. I'll finish explaining what happened. Sure. So this, this sale was up for 40 some odd minutes, like 43 or 49 or whatever, at which point Wizards took it down, said the sale has concluded and the product is no longer for sale. None of those words are it sold out, right? Yep. 
and the fact that the website was pretty easy to navigate when things like secret layers, for example, like a, a thing that Wizards has also done, they have in a lot of instances have had the same sort of website experience that you've mentioned with like PS5s and graphic graphics cards where it's like you get there, you you know what time it goes on sale, you're like frantically refreshing the website because you want to get the thing, right? And despite you being there from 3 p.m. sharp hitting F5, you're just not able to to collect the item. And that was not the case here. So between that and their very oddly specific verbiage, yeah, it, it seems like it didn't sell out. But then again, I mean, maybe they just had like truckloads of it for sale. I don't know. Yeah, so... I'm on eBay looking through completed sales, completed sales, seemingly not happening anymore. The, there is a completed sale on November 29th, which is now two days ago, correct? 30, 30 days yep. in November for $1,800. How, how many total actually sold though? Cause I could understand someone not really being super tuned in and, you know, knowing very few. Okay. Very few. You know, I would I would wager a guess. And then and then maybe like how many are listed now? Well, that that is a good question. One thing I see as far as completed sales, uh now we get to November 30th and there's a listing for fifteen ninety nine, but it's crossed out and says best offer accepted. So that means did not okay. sell for fifteen ninety nine. Uh the next one I see is a listing for Nineteen ninety nine ninety nine best offer accepted crossed out so I don't know what that sold for. I'm looking at sealed anniversary packs out of the box, so I'm assuming these are from like the conventions. Uh, there's four of them here. They sold for four hundred seventy nine dollars. So this each is or four packs, four packs for four seventy nine. It looks like. And I know it came with like a deck box and whatever. This is, and, this and- is just the packs. No, I know. So, I mean, the the stuff that is missing. No, hold on. Just, hold on. The, I went into the, it shows four packs in the picture. I went into the description. You were purchasing one. one pack. Okay. Yeah. So someone bought one pack for almost $500. Yep. So, you know, pretty good evidence that in this aftermarket scenario, these things are selling in low numbers at high prices is how I would say it. I, I feel like those are the people who are getting got though, right? Because if, there was a lot of this for sale. And if there was a lot of demand for it, then these things would be moving faster. Maybe. Here's the thing though. And I, I think like where this falls doesn't matter because I, I am, I've become so confident in like my assessment of what is actually happening here. It doesn't matter if it's sold out. The sale was always going to be taken down in a very short period of time. Always. Yes. And that is because you have to preserve the financial value of this product to be able to do this again. And, and part of that rides on whether or not it is perceived to be, uh, you know, expensive or hard to get or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Like and if you leave the sale up for two weeks, that just plummets, right? It's like you can get it whenever you want. Like what's, what's the rush. But there's, there's another part to that is that when you, when you're guaranteeing, the scarcity, you also are doing that because you need people to be able to buy these and flip these. That is the core of their essence. You want this. You want them to head to eBay with it the next day because that's who you're selling it to. And in this way, you're working as like kind of a, 
offense almost like you're just doing this weird thing where you're like dude it's the same thing as them going through distributors to sell to lgs's yeah yeah i mean you're like facilitating economic churn basically in your favor and uh you know you're in this case you are doing it where your raw materials are like four dollars and you're turning it into a thousand and so there's there's no way for this to like be a failure for wizards they just can't fail on this it literally can't go bad in terms of the product itself where the cost is is in pr is in long-term brand equity. So um, they they are definitely going to make money, yep. but if it is a colossal failure compared to what their projections were, then that creates ramifications. It may create ramifications in terms of like end of the year metrics. I don't think it is necessarily enough to stop this from happening again. I mean, basically somebody has no. to go, somebody has to go, the value, the, the value of the damage done to our brand here was not worth the dollars we made. And they have seemingly zero regard for the value of the brand. Like they are just willing to incinerate that for actual dollars at any point. Uh, yes. Is at least my interpretation of their so, behavior. I believe that if they sell any amount of these, they are going to continue to make products like this. I don't know the timeline. I think we kind of talked about this before where it's like, if you do this every year, it's not special, right? And they know how to kind of like prop up that perceived value, right? Like they are, they are good at that. They do have an understanding of that. So you will see another product like this at some point and they will probably learn a lot from the way that they went about things this time in order to uh, just like more broadly capitalize in the future. And I think that they are also pretty good at doing that sort of stuff. Do you know what a hype beast is, Gerald? I mean, it's in the name, right? It is. It is somewhat self-descriptive. It's generally applied in like uh, like fashion spaces with things like, you know, I, I hate even bringing these up, but like Yeezys were very difficult shoes to get for a long period of time. And like other exclusive pieces of fashion that are very difficult to get your hands on, hype beasts are generally like the dudes who are, and it's usually dudes, I don't want to, you know, genderize it, not necessarily, but it, it tends to go that direction. Uh, people who are very focused on like having those scarce items, and right. that is like sort of their, you know, sneakerheads kind of fall into the the category vaguely. Uh, someone at Watsi is a hype beast. Someone in Watsi marketing is a hype beast. This is just this is how they do things almost to a T, creating fake scarcity to try and make your brand better. And it, yeah, I think it has backfired pretty spectacularly, but. There's something I would love to read. Do you know who Joel Mick is? I I feel like I have heard the name, but it's also a fairly generic name. So so as it's described in this this tweet where I'm reading it from, Joel Joel Mick is the former brand manager at Wizards. Uh, I, I believe a huge proponent of no, the reserve list. Know. Okay, and is also listed here as a head designer, which I. I don't know exactly what that refers to, but regardless, someone who was once very high up at Wizards, uh, I okay. believe no longer there, but here's here's his comment on all of this, taken from some Facebook group, which has now made its way to the Twitter sphere. Joel Mick says, Wizards is pretty smart. My guess is because they didn't know how well it would sell and they wanted to make sure it sold out quickly. They allotted some smallish fraction of the print run to be available for sale today. Then based on how quickly it sold, how many hit the page after it was all gone, et cetera, they will make more available for sale on the site at some point. Now that already is kind of a red flag for me, but we'll move on. 
At least that's what I would do. And it used to be my job. So if they're not doing it that way, it's likely because they have an even better reason to do it differently. Also, those of you who work for large public companies know that management likes to spread their revenue around to meet or beat Wall Street expectations. Wizards could easily push sales into next year or not based on the timing of when they make various amounts of this product available for sale. So you can think and debate all you want about what's going on, but ultimately you might simply not have the knowledge to be able to figure it out. My take is that Wizards makes a lot more money long-term through subsequent collector-focused products by making this product a financial success for those who purchase it. So that is what they will do. It is irrelevant how much they printed because they won't sell it all unless demand is there. That really all I think anyone needs to know in order to purchase this product with confidence that it will be a financially sound purchase. Yes. So I agree that that is what they should be aiming for, whether or not that is possible given you know, like the internet backlash, I think that probably made a non-zero amount of people uh, who were maybe planning on buying the product or were thinking about it to not buy it, right? And also it is just glorified collector's edition. Uh, It makes my skin crawl. I I agree 100% with what he's saying, but it makes my skin crawl because it is exactly like, you know, hype beast marketing, NFTs, like very much focused on the same thing. I agree that if you have confidence that like, oh, I can buy this wizard's product and make money off it, then hell yeah, dude, you're locked in for life. Yeah. Here's here's the thing though. Man, I I just, I feel like I just repeat the same points over and over. It works until it doesn't. It works until it doesn't. And comic books, strip mining, et cetera. Rigging. This is what I replied to this tweet, rigging the market and product scarcity. So the product can't fail and you can repeat the grift in the future. Surely this can never go wrong, nor has it ever gone wrong before. Can you sense my sarcasm just dripping violently off the post? It, it will, it will work. It will work a lot. It might work for decades, maybe. Until it doesn't. And then you have a large, large problem on your hand. And the the thing that you can't really account for in just like this part of the metrics of selling this product is damage to brand. And I do want to point out that there are companies like kind of the new way of doing large scale video game sales is you say, fuck my brand. I don't give a shit what people think about my brand because they buy my products anyway. So who cares? EA, Blizzard, those are two companies that very quickly come to mind. Uh, Maybe more Activision than Blizzard in fairness, but just companies that say tons of people are going to complain about this. Don't care. They buy it every year. Like go look at reviews for FIFA or Madden on Steam. They're almost always overwhelmingly negative. (laughs) That's where they trend because their player base is so fed up with the way they do business but guess what games sell the most year in yeah. and year out? FIFA is terrible. I hate it, but also it's the only thing I do yep. uh, in my off time and I spend $2,000 on it. Mm. Does that sound like anything else you've heard of? This is terrible, but I hate it, but it's yep. the only thing I do. Yep. And once you engender that kind of loyalty, you can kind of say, fuck my brand. I will just draw every dollar out of it. And uh, they are, they're good. They're good at doing that. And I think this product will draw some dollars. I think probably the people who bought it to flip it are going to make dollars for a while. Maybe there's a point where this product no longer has that flip value and you sit on it too long and you get stuck. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it sells, you know, at $5,000 a year from now. But at some point there will be a product where this fails because you're creating value out of thin air 
where there's no actual, like nobody wants this. The only people who want it are the people who are like, this will be worth more. Well, yeah. there's, there's no core value there. It's, it's something we've seen repeated over and over. That is the core of every single bubble in the history of the economic world. It, it just plays out over and over. So yeah, I, there's, there's been a lot for me to digest from this. I think like I, I am not angry. They sold it. I'm not at, angry at anyone for flipping this product. I think the product is like probably a success by their metrics of doing it. I just think they're playing with fire and like, do I have to worry about that? I, I mean, like as a Hasbro stockholder to a small extent, I could worry about that as someone who has a bunch of magic cards sitting around his house, I could worry about it, but I don't know. I mean, like obviously feedback does not matter at this point because you would have pulled the plug on this immediately if you cared about feedback and you wouldn't do it again. But man, am I confident they'll do something like this again? Yeah, obviously. Uh, I, I think that my takeaway is that this is probably not as successful as they projected or hoped. And uh, I mean, if, if it is, or it beats that, then good for them. Uh, but I'd be surprised. I feel like this was a thing that they thought they were going to make a lot of money off of, and they probably only made like a little bit of a lot of money. Right? Yeah. That, that would be my guess too. A success, but, but maybe not the success they were planning for. But the, the hardest part is to convince people who view this as a failure, even though it is kind of a success you know, like regardless of, of how they feel internally, right? It's like, oh, well, it it made X amount of dollars, but say it underperformed what they expected. I'm sure people are going to view it as a failure, right? Mm. Then maybe you have to convince those people that like this next thing is not going to be a failure to be able to do it. I think like that's going to be like the only hurdle, but that's also going to be pretty easy to do because at the end of the day, it's just like, but, but dollars, you know? Yep. And then it's like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah let's do it. Really um, good article on uh, TCG Infinite. I think it came out yesterday. I forget Cassie's last name, but she she wrote just like it, it felt like kind of the piece I would write if I wasn't too lazy to write something as good as what she wrote. But just laying down like why magic is trapped in the cycle of like chasing profits and what it means. And, you know, basically, I, I agree with virtually every conclusion in the article. Is magic going to die from this? No, I don't. I don't think magic's going to die. I I think that's incredibly unlikely. You know, might it get passed around as sort of a, a brand token at some point if things start going poorly? Maybe. Does it end up in worse or better management? Nobody knows. I think all of these things are on the table. But uh, yeah, it's 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 an interesting article. I would go check it out. Um, I'm seeing a lot of stuff about like Brothers War. I'll find it. I'll find it. Whatever. Yeah, I'll I'll get you a link and uh, we can put it in the show notes because I, I do think it's worth it's worth a read for sure. Cool. Uh, yeah. I, the, end of the day, this is going to happen again. Whatever. Funny thing about this though is you sent me a, a YouTube video from uh, a person who I, I guess I would describe as like a, a mid tier like box opener kind of person and. I don't want to be like disparaging to them or whatever, but it's like compared to the numbers of some of the other people's I've seen, it's it, like theirs was kind of low. Yeah. Uh, not a, not a tremendous uh, following. Yeah. But like, you know, still good. Had some videos that had like half a million views, whatever. And they're, they're primi primarily a, a Yu-Gi-Oh person, Ruxin. And they were approached by wizards about doing like a sponsored box opening. I say box when it's like four packs, but 
uh, whatever. And so, so they, they did it because it's like, oh, yeah, you know, Magic, Hasbro, reputable brand, whatever I'm in, didn't do a ton of research. And then ba- basically like the anti-Magic 30 brigade showed up on his YouTube channel and just harangued him in the comments to the point where he took it down. And then posted an apology video or just like, you know, I, I did some research, but like clearly not enough research. And, you know, my bad, I'm going to do do more in the future to make sure that this stuff doesn't happen again. I didn't realize that this was not a thing that y'all would not like seeing. Right. Did he have the apology video T-shirt on? No. Uh, shame. No. I mean, in in fairness, he said he had just got back into town and like made the video like the next day or whatever. Like it, it was a quick turnaround and it was like a pretty good owning up to like, no, this is, this is my bad. You know, I blew it, whatever. Uh, so, you know, maybe he didn't have enough time to dig the apology video shirt out of the hamper or whatever, you know? Mm. But I was like, why is wizards on this product where they're, they probably think they're going to make like millions of dollars. Like, why are they doing like this, this mid tier guy? Right. And then, uh, Saffron Olive like tweeted about the video and then it had a lot of the bigger people replying to it. Like Leonard was just like, yeah, wizards approached me. I did my research and I said no. And it was like multiple of those people. So they did try to just like, you know, shoot the moon or whatever for this plaster it all over the place. Yep. Yeah. So I, I wonder how that affects their, their mindset and everything too, because like you said, they clearly don't care about like brand perception or anything. They're not focusing too much on that, but clearly it kind of shot them in the foot this time, right? Where people are like, no, actually people don't like this. I've seen that. I'm not going to put this on my channel. And then they don't get the advertisers that they want because they're, you know, kind of making the predatory sort of scummy, useless product, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's an, an interesting spot, you know? make a good product. You don't have to hire YouTube influencers to to tell people how good it is, or maybe just make a good product and people want to make videos about your product. They just do it because they like it and enjoy it. And, uh, you know, there is a world where these 30th anniversary packs just like are an exciting thing to open on their own, but maybe not because they have to have that full scarcity. Otherwise you realize they are just proxies and they are not all that interesting to open. So well, there are, an army of worms waiting to hop in cans to be opened by this entire endeavor. And yeah. uh, I don't, I don't know, man. It, I just would never, you give me charge of this business. I would never follow this path. And I would be, uh, you know, I, I never like calling for people's jobs, but I would be very skeptical about trusting the future of my brand to someone who thought this was a good idea. Well, it just depends on what your goals are, right? I feel like you can be perfectly capable of doing your job but if your goal is to strip mine the community at the cost of brand respect or whatever yeah i guess this this is a theoretical yeah this is a theoretical world where like the person in charge cares about like the long-term equity and that that's yeah probably not true so no keep hiring that person they're doing a great job strip mining for sure yeah so well I'm, i'm just saying like maybe if you change their view on what their long game plan should be. I'm sure that they are very capable of doing the job. You know what I mean? It's just like the, the views are just bad. So I don't know, whatever. I think, I think I was going to say something else, but I lost it. I understand. This is a very flustering topic. There's a lot of threads that are very losable and a lot to chase down and sort out. 
there's no question that it's a disappointing way to spend Magic's 30th anniversary. I don't think anyone can be like, yes, yes, this is oh. what we wanted as our celebration. Okay, I, I had two things, I think. One was... You said like, oh, it wouldn't be exciting to open this product. And it's like, I actually don't know if that's true. I mean, I think for me at this point, I have internalized fully that if I open a Black Lotus, it's not actually a Black Lotus, man. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So uh, it's, so this product isn't interesting to you either is what you're saying. Yeah. But maybe it is for someone because they don't know or they do know but haven't like fully internalized it it still might feel cool to open a, a fake black lotus i don't know uh but it's it's non-zero for sure right uh god the other thing i i lost it again it's fine dude i i had someone uh like walking by my window and i i think like was coming by my front door and i didn't know if it was like you know my friend because occasionally he'll walk down here and just be like you want to go for a walk or whatever and I was like, oh, no, I'm going to have to, like, pause the podcast or whatever. <laughs> I don't mm. know. Uh, so, yeah, my, yep. Started started thinking about all their stuff. I have, I have, so I'm sitting at my desk with my feet up on the desk with a massive warm fuzzy blanket. Nice. I, this is my Black Friday purchase. And it is very cat approved. I have one of my cats just completely like burying her head in it too. And then like the person was walking by and she got all alert and I was like, you know, do I have to stop her from knocking over my Red Bull or whatever? So mm. completely lost my train of thought. It's fine. Yeah. It'll come back around. Uh, that's the way these thoughts have been for me is they just kind of like circle through my head and there's new threads opening all the time. Uh, you know what? I just, I want to never think about this again. That would be actually. nice. Yeah. <laughs> no, it would be, it would be real nice to just like not engage with this aspect whatsoever and move on. And, you know, I, I think it is going to come to a point where if my involvement in magic is going to continue, I, I really do need to cut out all this stuff because it's become so loud and blinding and obnoxious that it's impossible to engage with the things that I still like about it. Like I, I lose the things that I still like about it in all of this mess. And, you know, that's uh, somewhat of a failing on my part. It's more of a failing on their part and, and just, what they've just done. Separate them, man. I mean, it, dude, it was nice. Trust me when you could play magic and go to tournaments and enjoy every single aspect of that. Right. While also thinking that like the company kind of has your back or like, is your friend or like, isn't going to betray you and screw you over or whatever. And it's a lot harder to enjoy those things when there's also like this looming threat kind of hmm. right. So I do get that, but I do think you can kind of isolate where it's just like, look, these are the things that I enjoy and the other stuff exists. I'm going to interact with that partly because it's kind of your job, but you're, you're just going to see it. You can't stop yourself from seeing it too. And I do think the more you get involved at flesh and blood, the more valuable it is to have a roadmap for like what not to do. So <laughs> that is true. I do appreciate uh, seeing a lot of these mistakes play out, play out in front of me because yeah, it so all, that's nice. Uh, drive decision making. Thank you. You know, Mr. Hasbro for all of your hard work and dedication. I had a very interesting thought about uh, like the state of products and like this rapid release schedule, which is sort of wrapped up in this and it's a little bit separate, but I was thinking back to, and this came up because I was cleaning out my closet and I found three unopened packs of mystery booster convention editions. And I was thinking back to that experience at PT Richmond of opening a product I had never seen before. And like 
it just having this wondrous new world. Like there was just no information. I had no idea it was going to be in these packs. Yeah. There's, everything, everything about that was good. Yeah. Well, so it's funny because there's probably like 30 magic products right now. I could do the exact same thing with, and I have no clue what's in them. I don't know any of the cards it's and it would be just a world same. of discovery for me. That's because you haven't been paying attention, right? I, and, I can't. There's no it, way I could. There's too much. Sure. that That's fair. But for this one specifically, like you were plugged in, you were going to events, not every weekend, but I think, I don't know, you and I, if, if we're talking about going to like mocks on Thursdays or yeah, we random were, we were around. Or whatever, doing commentary, like, yeah, you were, you were going to stuff like maybe half the weekends. Yeah, that's fair. So like you were plugged in and then there was like this thing and like you just, you couldn't know about it if you wanted to for all this other stuff, you could just Google it and spend the time. Sure. Right. But for this thing, it was just like, it, it was meant to be like that. And yeah, it was, it was cool. It was fun. And I saw so many people excited. I, I don't think the product would have hit the same way if it didn't have the random like dev cards in it. You yeah. Know yeah. What I mean, that was a cool because part of it. That was like the added nonsense where people were like, Holy shit. Like, look at this thing. Right. Yeah. And I think it was it was a beautiful product, and I even think that the the stuff that was kind of bad, where it was like, oh, you didn't go to this random Grand Prix when you didn't know it was going to be there. Well, tough shit, you can't have it. Like they kind of rectified that. Yeah, they released they a bunch. To. Yeah. So, man, like it was just good, and that wasn't that long ago. I mean, it wasn't maybe slam dunk thing for collectors, but it was still pretty good because. Yeah. If if you bought that stuff for, you know, quote unquote retail, whatever, it's like you could still resell it for a markup or like do box openings of it. Like that was fun. You know, it's like you still had that aspect of it. So I don't know. Yep. The product, product was great. Yeah. Very good product. Uh, it, 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 there's just interesting thoughts like returning to the days of, you know, Richard Garfield designing the game and saying you could be surprised anytime you sit down, you never know what card your opponent would reveal and you'll see a card for the first time. Like that has actually looped back around, but just by disgusting saturation, making as many cards as possible. Dude, uh, no, very someone, funny to me. Someone needs to make this graph. You like you, you see the sped up line graphs of like highest population per city or whatever, mm. right? Yeah, yeah. Over, yeah, I know over the about. last hundred years. Yep. I want to see like a video graph of that for like magic where it's like releases cards. Like to, yeah, total number of cards, but also like cards for like main set releases versus like supplemental products. I'm sure that there are like other ways that you could like define those parameters to make it mm. interesting. Gold but you borders, know what I mean? Silver borders. Sure. Yeah, yeah yep. whatever. And I, I think that that would be an awesome kind of like time lapse graph thingy if someone has like hours of time on their hands. Yep. Yep. That's a cool one. I mean, you would get you would get your 500 retweets. You would have your 15 minutes of magic Twitter clout if you wanted to do that. But, you know, yeah, yeah I, I don't advise that. Honestly, it's, it's not something that's all that fun. Oh, yeah, it's not. It's not worth it. Don't don't do it. But if you literally have nothing else to do and you like. I don't know, making charts or whatever, then by all means, you know, do your thing. But yeah. You were just talking about like saturation of different cards or whatever. And it's like, holy shit. Yeah. There was a period where it was like, oh wow, there's like 10,000 cards. Oh, now there's 20,000 cards or whatever. Right. And now it's, it's probably like a hundred thousand or some shit. And it hasn't even been that long. 
Yeah, right? I saw something like I, I think this might have been part of Cassie's article as well, where like the pace of release is doubled from it was either 2020 or 2018 to 2022. There's twice as many releases and it what wasn't, the hell? and it wasn't like 2018 was slow either because that was double the number of releases from like 2010. So it's just a ridiculous, ridiculous explosion of products. And I went to my local Walmart yesterday. I was picking up uh, some supplies and it just like went over and looked at the magic shelf. And I'm like, I don't know what these products are. There were multiple jump starts and like all <laughs> kinds of infinities, and then there was Commander Legends, and I'm just like I don't I don't know any of these products. I I just don't. I'm I'm like not even being facetious. I just don't know these. Yeah, man. Weird. It is weird. All right, tournament grinder discourse. My favorite kind of discourse. You thought that last bit of discourse was my favorite. Now we're really into the good stuff. All right. There's a thing. That happened at an NRG event in Chicago. Uh, I think this was last weekend, right? Yes, like four days ago. Yeah. So at Karate Dom 10 on the Twitters, relatively accomplished player, like def- definitely a veteran competitive tournament player, grinder, or, you know, however you want to describe them, right? Yep. I, I read this a couple days ago. I'm going to paraphrase now. If I get anything wrong, just correct me. They basically are, they're playing Phoenix. They are, their opponent has a shieldred. So whenever Phoenix player draws a card, they're going to get dinged for two. Yep. And they like a play a card drawing spell. Opponent doesn't say anything. So like, okay, they missed their trigger. So I'm going to like, you know, play these other card drawing spells. And then at, at some point it's just like, oh, okay, well, you know, now take eight from my shieldred or whatever. And the reason that that is the case is that here's kind of a history lesson before in, in the way back, if you, you missed a trigger or whatever, it was just gone. Right. And you had to be like very clear and careful and precise about the timing of, of when you said the thing about the trigger. And then the policy kind of flip flopped to the point where you as the opponent had to remind your opponent of their triggers. And then it turned out that people didn't really like that either. So now it's basically like if you miss the trigger, you miss it. But for certain things like prowess on a monastery Swiss spear, for example, if you have a Swiss spear, you play some spells and you attack, you, you don't have to actually like announce the trigger or anything or like say that the trigger has happened until something changes about the board state. Like, for example, you're, you're going to damage, which is really awkward. And I never really understood why this rule happened. Because especially the, the way the rule is written currently, it is not all inclusive for the things that refer to like changes in board state or whatever, right? Because it's like, I don't know, that thing becoming a 3-4 when it used to be a 1-2 is a change in the board state, right? Like that, that affects whether or not I point a lightning bolt at that thing or whether or not I want to block that thing. And there's basically no way for you to like lightning bolt and kill it. If you think your opponent has missed the trigger, right? Because there's always the scenario where you're like, all right, bolt it. And they're like, it's a three, four. Yep. And, and you, you just never know. Uh, so I absolutely hate it. And the thing with the shielded thing is the same thing where it's like, Oh, you don't have to say anything. Cause like the board didn't change. And it's like, well, it kind of did because in theory, your opponent's supposed to be at less life than they are now, yep. which changes everything, 
Yeah, it does. Especially when it's like, do I cast my treasure cruise into their shieldred? It, it just creates a lot of confusion about like what the game state actually is. Like, what is my life total? Right? Like that should definitely be a thing that you you have to announce. And I mean, it's part of the Swiss beer things. Like when you're going to damage, you have to say like how big the Swiss beer is or whatever, right? So yeah, it's weird. It's like you can't just ask how big is your Swiss beer because that kind of clues them into the fact that they actually did trigger prowess this turn or had the opportunity to trigger prowess, right? So then they're like, uh, uh, a three, four. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's just like no real good way around it. And I think the, the rule as written, I, I think it's fine for what they're trying to do, but the specific wording of it is definitely not great, definitely not all-inclusive to like every single scenario that can happen in a game of magic. And also, like, people just aren't happy with it. I don't really know who it's serving. I just feel like you should have to an- announce your triggers, and that's probably, like, the cleanest, most, like, careful way of doing things. But I feel like maybe there are just too many scenarios where you're going through a bunch of stuff, and you're just like, all right, spell, prowess, spell, prowess, spell, prowess. And it was just easier to be like, spell, spell, spell. Okay, this is a, a four or five or something. So I don't know. I kind of get it. But it's just like, just announce your stuff. I, I, that's got to be like the simplest solution because it's not like, you know, I before E except F for C or whatever, like the, just the ridiculous amount of if then rules shouldn't happen in a game of magic because the game's already complicated enough. There's, there's two big takeaways I have from this. They both somewhat sidestep the issue because like, I, I think this is just like how the rules are written. I think it's silly. I think it's exploitable. I think if you wrote it in a different way, it would remain silly and remain exploitable. I think there is almost no way you can phrase this in these type of scenarios where it doesn't in some way become exploitable by someone. So what is critical is shaping the culture of the game to be such that it's not about exploiting. And I I know this sounds like almost naive and I wouldn't believe in it if i didn't see a game where the culture is very much about not doing this type of stuff not deceiving your opponent being as clear as possible and in flesh and blood like that is just how things work in flesh and blood we use you know dice to represent things when you attack someone you sort of list the attack values any on hits that come with it there there's no i mean like i'm speaking in in blanket obviously there's always bad actors people always sidestep these things but like as a culture the the setup is kind of just we want things to be decided as they are written on the cards we talk through these things clearly we communicate with each other we work together to maintain the board state and it's not about the gotcha moments almost to a person i think that's fair but magic has 3 decades Correct. of of Correct. not that you're but, exactly right but but we can we can change the culture we could do correct that. i was just going to point to like chris pacula's age where like the culture was cheating and he's just like, no, oh, dude, don't don't get me started down that rabbit hole because I will I will give you a history lesson if you want. Yeah, me. I mean, I, I know I, I know what the game was like and like that was accepted and that was just like the way you played. And the no, game. Seriously, could... How much time do you have? <laughs> how much time do I have? I have approximately one hour. Do you, okay, do you have we're one good. hour we're good. worth we, of stuff? I, we're not going to go over two hours for sure. OK, can okay. can I talk about the Pakula thing? Sure. So Pakula, three pro tour top eights. Some people get in the Hall of Fame with three Pro Tour top eights, right? Four is not a lock, but if it's four and people know your name, you're probably a lock. Mm -hmm. And 
I don't know. Then there are certain people like Bram Snapfingers where he had four over a decade and a half, which is not a great percentage, but it's like still a lot of, of pro tour top eights. And he had like community contributions for uh, being like a judge and a TO and doing stuff for his local uh, community and everything. So it's like, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll get this guy in, right? Like he deserves it. He's a good dude. So Pakula with his three pro tour top eights, not good enough. Cause you know, the, the numbers weren't, great compared to the other possible people like mark herbals has four is prolific deck builder like awesome personality kind of, kind of an asshole at least back in the day but most most people don't let that be like a strike against them because everyone was kind of an asshole but regardless Bakula is not getting it he was close a lot of years one vote and, i think if i recall correctly yeah and then that was when it was 40 percent, and now you need 60 percent uh, or at least the last time it happened. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there is a now anymore. But. Yeah, there's not a now. And the whole thing was like, yeah, he's got three, but like he was not cheating in a time when people were cheating, which is true, and did a lot to alter the culture. And people were like, yeah, but you know, it's just kind of like conjecture, like how much do we actually know what he did actually affected change? It's interesting to think about alternate timelines. He's not there. It doesn't actually become a topic of discussion as to like whether or not cheating is bad or whether or not you should call it out. All of these things to us now today seem, seem ridiculous, ridiculous, completely obvious. You want to see the alternate timeline? Look at the Pokemon TCG. Now I don't want to besmirch the fine Pokemon players. They have a very healthy community. Uh, sometimes one that, I am envious of. But there are certain instances of someone doing a thing that is very Alex Bertoncini like where it's like, eh, is, is it like cheating, cheating or is it just like cheating? You know, it's just like, well, you know, play an extra land or something, right? Like, is is that that bad? Did that actually contribute to, to them winning or whatever? It's not like they drew five extra cards or something. And that is kind of the mentality where it's like, well, you know, it's like what what they did isn't as bad as like what everyone else does. And everyone else is like kind of doing scummy stuff. So like I I should probably just do scummy stuff because they didn't have a Pakula. There was no one there that actually changed the way this topic was discussed or thought about. So now everyone's just kind of like not not OK with it, but like it's not as big of a deal when for us, we're just like, no, that's fucking stealing. Like, you you are just legit stealing from your peers that is not okay, right? And Pokemon doesn't have that. And that is the alternate timeline. That That is how different it could be. And it is still a problem in 2022, today. Like, yeah. maybe, maybe it's not, like, as bad as things were in Magic back in the day, but I didn't like going to tournaments with one Alex Burton genie, right? And... They they have plenty, right? Plenty of people who are going to do the angle shooty, like kind of screw you over sort of stuff. And then also everyone's sort of okay with it. Not cool. So yeah, Chris Chris did a shit ton, okay? So that's always been my perception as well. And I, I think like the idea that, oh, we can't reshape the culture to be one that is like, you know, just, just say, just say you took two damage you, you lost two life when you drew the first card and uh, like it's funny to me how many like actual goat players and i i mean actual goats you know like finkels Palos, 
you know, I, I, I saw Siggy tweet something similar, which is, I would not put Siggy in that same category, but still an excellent player, a very good player. Just being like, just take, just lose the two life. What's the problem? Like you, you obviously <laughs> triggered the children, write it down, move on. And like, there's something to be said for skipping these games entirely and playing the game on the field of, I'm just going to be better than you. And this shit doesn't matter. I, I think it is very, yeah. very, it's weird to see that culture sort of distilled at the absolute elite level of the game. And then no offense to anyone involved here, but like, I, I don't think we're trying to hold NRG Chicago up on the same level as like pro tour greatness. It's, it's a step down for sure. And to see it, the, how sort of the culture surrounding this was like very pro Dom and I'm not anti Dom in the situation. Like I, I think there's a valid gripe here, but also there is a world where just like, Take just lose the two life. Like you, you drew you drew a card while Shulter was out. Like what? What is the big deal here? I don't really understand why we're going down this entire rabbit hole. So I understand Dom's frustration because if you knew that that was the scenario that you're getting into, then then yeah, you just do that. But he thought he was playing under different rules, where like uh, you know clearly this thing like affects the game or whatever. So like he you should have to say something. Yeah, no, I, he has a very valid gripe. I, I agree. I, I'm not trying to take anything away from so, that. I just think there there is a way to cut off that gripe and that is just yeah. like, let the cards work as intended. And I, I should note that when I expressed that people had an issue with having to point out their opponent's triggers, it was often when, you know, they were forced to help their opponent who was worse than them beat them. Mm-hmm. And that is typically a thing that is... I mean, it's, it's more popular at lower levels for sure, because at, at pro tours, I think everyone is pretty good and you're never just going to be like that. That person I played was just absolutely heinous and blah, blah, blah. They beat me because I had to tell them about their, their thing, whatever. And I think that's, that's just like the tournament grinder sense of entitlement that the players at the highest level do not have because many of them have some amount of self-awareness and it's not just, you know, I'm, I'm trying to convince both me and you that I am very good. And that is why I lost. Please do not hold this against me because clout means everything or whatever. It's the only currency I have. Uh, you know, it's, it's just not, not a big deal for them and losing any individual game is not a big deal to them. And just like winning the game based on their merits and, like what you said about fab where you know just like what is said on the card like that that is the thing that should happen like let's stop playing these bullshit games and honestly man i i think that the the rules were probably the best when you just had to remind people about their stuff because at least then the game was clear and then over time maybe people get rid of the sense of entitlement uh, it, it just goes away after you lose for the hundredth time because you had to remind something of a thing or whatever, or you just like get used to the fact that that is reality and that's what we're dealing with now. But also you could have some prominent community figures actually talk about like how much they like it and why. And I think that that would go a long way too. just do some like influencer marketing or whatever, some propaganda to, to convince people that that's the game we should play. Like the difference between playing, you know, round one, of an SCG open in in the heyday where you know there's like thousand players and like thousands of people watching at home and uh they were where everyone went to to look for like technology and deck lists and stuff like that like it was a big deal right you sit down to play around one 
and then you get called for a feature match, you know the deal. Like round one, you might like the the, the rule uh, with Tarmogoyf, I believe is still this, where if they ask you how big your Tarmogoyf is, you can tell them it is a base zero one or a base mm-hmm. X one. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's all you have to tell them, which is really absurd. And I have no idea like who came up with that rule because uh, it, it doesn't make any sense and it doesn't serve anyone, right? But it's like, you sit down to play the feature match, you use the Tarmogoyf die, right? Because you recognize that SCG is putting on a production and you are part of that production. And it is no longer necessarily about you nickel and diming your opponent with your silly little edges. It is about keeping the game state clear and that should be the important thing. But like, you know, the people who sit down to f- the, play the feature matches understand that they could get to understand why that is just good for magic in general, right? Mm. So yes, use the Tarmogoyf die, use the Swift Spear prowess die, use, you know, the little storm cards to track your mana pool. And if Shieldred triggers, mark the life. Agree. That, that's my take on it. And, uh, you know, I, I think that, there is nothing wrong with the response that I've seen to uh, Dom's post. Like I said, I, I don't think Dom was in the wrong in any way. I I don't think there's anything wrong with being like, well, that's kind of bullshit because I, I think it's kind of bullshit the way it went down. But I do think that the bigger goal here is actually just like, well, let's not play these games anymore. Like, let's just, let's yeah. just be as clear as possible. And that, that would be what I would take away from this discussion. It feels like, that is a rare take. Like I said, I saw a few people say it. Uh, Dom Harvey was another one participating in some Dom on Dom violence, just suggesting that maybe you just take two damage and move on. And I, I, I get that. I think that there is a lot to be gained from just giving up the bullshit. And it's also a lot more fun. Like I, I just, man, when I had like that, I don't know any other way to describe it, that cutthroat mentality, I was just miserable at, tournaments like it's just like trying to get something over like it's awkward that you're you know you have to like shake hands afterwards when you called your opponent on some finicky shit which like they were in the wrong you were in the right but it's like man this isn't like how this game is supposed to be decided it i i was miserable doing that and i have found myself very very pleased by the shift of just like do it fair you know let's we have uh a very popular card in flesh and blood is Fandel Spring Tunic, which triggers at the start of your turn, gets counters on it. It's very fucking hard to remember if you're an old idiot like me. And like, we just kind of like set the rules of engagement from the beginning. Like if you, you want to tick up your tunic when you were supposed to, and you missed it, that's fine. I'll do the same. Or it's the inverse and you're just clear at the beginning. Like, look, we're, we're both going to have to maintain this. It's an important part of the game. Okay. Lay it out there. I, I think like either one is acceptable, uh, but it just, Everything's face up, everything's clear, and it is a, a much better world to exist in. I think so too. At the end of the day, it is what do you want your game and your community to look like, to embody, right? And I think that, I mean, probably everyone would agree that it's just like, you know, good sportsmanship. Let's just have like a, a nice, fun, competitive, like friendly game where the cards determine things, right? And not be trying to like angle shoot and like you said, like pull one over on someone like that. That aspect is just not great and ideally not something magic would be about. And 
I mean, this this policy is part of that, certainly. Like anytime you are encouraging people to be somewhat unclear about the game state and in, in this certain scenario with like Shieldred and card drawing and stuff, it's just, it does give people the opportunity to be a little shady, be a little scummy when all the policies should just remove the incentives for doing those things. Yep. I'll be fair though. I, I don't know how to write that policy. Like I, I don't know how I would rewrite this to fix the situation. Just, just to be clear. I think it, it is a challenging situation to answer. It's, it's not, it's not because either the cantrip casting player has to be clear that like their spell is resolved and they're taking two from Shieldred or the other person has to say something because it has become a change on the game state. I, I don't have the example for you right now. I wish I did, but I, it's just not coming to mind. But if that was the case, it is exploitable in some other way. I promise you. I, I, it's just, we've, we've gone through all these permutations and just because that's the way it's worded now, you would find some other situation. It wouldn't be this situation. You would it's, clean up this situation, but you would ex- create another situation. It's exploitable if like, you know, the person just like doesn't tell the person about the shielded trigger and then they realize it later and then call a judge and they just like play dumb. Like they just get a free roll the entire event, right? Yep. Yep. For, for missed triggers. So yeah, sure. But like they should also do a better job of tracking that stuff and yep. Uh, looking for patterns and and whatever, but you know they don't. The infrastructure is not there. Judges don't get paid enough. I get that. Yeah, um, not enough and, judges at this point. That's another huge problem. So yeah. there, there's a lot of problems with administration and, of tournaments. And, you know, that stuff should change too. But yeah, po- policy kind of sucks. Should change. I would expect it to change as a result from this. I think the Swiss beer stuff is okay. The Tarmogoyf stuff is okay. It doesn't make any sense, but it doesn't lead to like massive feel bads like the Shieldred thing does, Mm, right? And that aspect needs to change for sure. But realistically, we should just go back to if the card does something, like both players have to point it out, it's their responsibility. I'm in. Let's do it. Yeah, I mean, I don't don't fault Dom for being like, yo, this is a weird spot. Me neither. I I, I probably come off as a little... Yeah, I probably come off as a little critical. That's really not my intention. I, I think like his spot here is fine. I just think there is another way to approach this conversation. That's all. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think even like, you know, Siggy, Dom Harvey, whatever saying like, dude, just take the two. I don't think that that's fair because he expected to be in, in a different situation. Right. Yep. And so it's like pretty yep. normal for him to play by the rules. So then like their advice or whatever doesn't really solve the the situation either. Like he, he still found himself in a situation where he kind of got hoodwinked. Uh, based on the rules and like this this rule has been around for a while it has been yep. like this for a while like i remember playing zendikar like not the last like battle for zendikar and doing a bunch of like triggery stuff and uh, attacking and then it was like landfall stuff yeah and my opponent being like how big is that and i'm like it's a base one one or whatever because i i didn't like the person i was playing against mm-hmm. uh, they're kind of asshole so yeah that's, that's an important uh <laughs> like an important factor to consider in rules administration, right? Like how big of an asshole is your opponent? That decides right, how it, you approach and the game. I, I mean, to be fair, like in my defense, I had an audience, Josh Cho is watching. So, you know, gotta, gotta keep Josh entertained. Right? Yeah. That's, and that's in best interest. it was a relatively recent rules change. And my opponent was like, what? That's not how that works. Like you have to tell me. And I'm just like, no, like look how smart I am. Like you don't even know that the rules change. Well, this, this rule change was... <laughs> what was that like six years ago or something? Probably. 
And I, people, I was at that Pro Tour, so it's probably like 10 decades ago. People today guess. are like, that's not what the rules are. And it's like, yo, it's been like this for a while, yeah. right? So that was kind of like the weird thing about the thread to me was like people weighing in with their two cents when they clearly didn't have an understanding of what the rules actually well, were. Come on, Gerald. So, that, that's that's surprising to you. That's, that's the it's, way that it's it works. It's not surprising. I just wish that people would be like, hey, how does this work? Rather than like, I'm just going to make assumptions as to how things work and like state that as fact. And it's like, no, that's wrong. And then also when they get pushback, then they just dig their heels in. I, I just don't understand that mentality. Yeah. Get comfortable with being wrong. It's a fine place to be. And then you can I mean, apologize and move on. You hear me, wizards? Get comfortable yeah. with it. It's not a great place to be, but it is, it's better than the alternative. It's a real place to be. I mean, everyone makes mistakes, whatever. No, no, I no. I, I'm saying, I, I'm saying it's not a great place to be. It's definitely real, obviously on the daily man. But, uh, I understand why people are not comfortable with it, but it's just like, well, if you're not comfortable about it, maybe don't make like broad sweeping generalizations and then be shocked when you find out that you're wrong and then try to like dig your heels in as a way to, I don't know, convince yourself that you're not wrong or something like, yo, just uh, take the L learn from it. Learning is tight. Agreed. Yeah. Whole situation kind of weird. I wish, I wish magic was better. Uh, I'm glad that Pakula exists and, you know, did stuff because, you know, for what, what I was saying about, liking the good parts of magic and then like separating the bad shit, you know, and just like not, not thinking about it, just like trying to appreciate the good stuff. I'm not sure I could do that if we lived in a world where it was just like insidious from top down, where the tournaments all had like burnt genies and like people were just cool with it. It's just like, I wouldn't be here. Yeah. No, I think, I think a lot of people wouldn't be here and that's why it was such a valuable thing. Why it is hall of fame worthy in my estimation that, you know, there was an effort to clean up the game and why I support further efforts to do similar things. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, phew, damn grinder drama. Uh, we had been a minute, one, been a minute, one more. Oh, the graph, the, the arena graph. Yeah. Okay. I, I have a quick thing to say about this arena graph. I don't know if I've ever said anything quickly in my life, but I'm going to try here. A weekly MTG put out a main formats percentage of constructed play and ladder talking about, arena and i just want to detail the results of this because i find them very interesting most played format standard looks like sitting about 52 53 percent of all constructed play and ladder play uh see a sizable spike every single time there is a release of a new set sort of proving the trend that uh it is good to have a place where cards can go to play second most popular format historic sitting just below 30%. I, you know, trends down at the release of new sets. So that sort of tells you where the priority lies. It's sort of this outlet as things get a little stale. Uh, then we move into alchemy, which I, I believe there's lines here that are representative of like alchemy introductions. It's hard for me to know exactly. There's like a double line in July. So maybe that's like an anthology series. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but basically alchemy sitting at about 12% of all play. That's I'll talk more about that in a second. And then Explorer brings up the rear at probably somewhere seven to 8%. Two big takeaways from this chart for me. I'm curious if you read this the same way. One, we should still be talking about standard. 
where more than half of all play on Arena, which is ostensibly where the most games of Magic are played presently, what what our podcast is named after, uh, there is value in continuing to, to discuss standard. And what really cements that for me is that uptick in the graph. That's just sharp shoot upwards uh, whenever a new set is released. I think that's important because it's one of the the biggest times for us in terms of what we can offer the community is our early interpretation of new cards. So this was very vindicating for our decision, I believe, to continue to discuss standard, to consider to make it a, to continue to make it a focus of our podcast, despite the fact that it has sort of disappeared from in-store play. To be fair, uh, we did stop talking about standard week two. Yeah, well, it's not very good. So <laughs> we, we did what we needed to do, and then we got out. But yeah, the format doesn't look great right now. I mean, uh, the, the the big question I have is whether that 50% of arena players playing Constructed who are playing Standard, are they listeners of the podcast? Because if they're, if they're not, then it doesn't matter. We, we shouldn't know. do Standard. It, I, I agree with you. It does look like we should keep doing it. Uh, the, it, the other thing this points to, though, is that Wizards should change their strategy as far as standard goes. Like, it should be the thing that they are focused on come release of new sets. Maybe. Uh, there's there's a, a lot of factors, obviously. Okay. I th- so one, one of my takeaways is that, like, fake Pioneer is not good enough. I think that yep. if Explorer were actual Pioneer, that number would be a lot higher. I'm not sure how much higher because it's a large buy-in, which is really bad. Yeah, it's you hard. Know? It's so hard to catch up on Arena. That's the biggest problem. Yeah, you would have to spend thousands of dollars, and it's, there's. It's not like you're just like, oh, well, I want to buy my deck, so I'll spend five hundred dollars or whatever. It's just like I'll buy twenty of each of these packs that like might have a card in my deck because maybe I'll spike it. But mostly, I'm like buying packs to get wild cards. It's just like that's such a bad model for like. Yep. Trying to get someone into a format like that. So nope, I don't know. The- Given the acquisition system, I don't think Explorer slash Pioneer can ever fully succeed on Arena. I think it's everything is stacked against it. Now, you could sell Dude. different wild cards for rotated sets, and I think maybe you could go ahead and jump these numbers up and make a few extra bucks that you wouldn't make otherwise. But That'd be cool. I don't think you, they'll ever do that. I think they're Can you committed. imagine if Arena just had Hearthstone crafting from the jump? Yep. And how much easy it would be to... Uh, you're a lapsed player. You just like come back and build a standard deck. Oh my God. Yeah. I feel like I can't come back anymore. So I, at some point I think their acquisition model could bite them, but I am fairly confident they found the way to squeeze the most money out of it as possible at the time they were doing it. So uh, kudos once more. Maybe it's time for arena 2.0, you know, just shut this one down, build a new one. I would be very down with that. I wouldn't because I've spent like, yeah, I don't know. At least a thousand, maybe thousands of dollars. Oh, I, I bet I have. I bet I have three thousand dollars worth of stuff on there for sure. Yeah. I, like I don't see any reason why that wouldn't be the case. And but I that already feels dead to me. I don't feel like that has any purpose anymore. Yeah, so. that's that's fair. The other thing, alchemy, sitting oh, real bad, 12 percent. I see some people have said like, oh, this is this is proof that alchemy is good with twelve percent of players. What? I see it as the stone opposite where this format is designed basically as a response saying standard does not work in this online space. It becomes too quickly solved and people lose interest in it. And so we're going to do this alchemy thing. And then 
what should happen is that as set releases happen, this line creeps up pretty aggressively. And at some point, either crosses or comes near standard. The line is mostly flat. This 11% is in no way worth the amount of resources, confusion, damage to the historic format that is being done. Now, I will note that the historic graph goes up over time. I think that's a function of rotation in a lot of ways because you just have, again, if I wanted to play arena right now, it might be that historic is actually the easiest spot for me to go if I have like just the core of a historic deck and I just need like three wild cards to upgrade something, yeah. you know, if something like black red sacrifice is still good, then that might actually be the easiest place for me to go and play. So I think that is why you will continue to see that historic line trend up over time. I do think though, that alchemy does net damage to the ecosystem, to historic, to player comprehension, to just resource usage at wizards like you have to design those freaking cards and you have to keep an eye on the format and balance it and all of that can be used elsewhere so this to me is a sign that alchemy was a failed 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 experiment and uh, the problem is you can never get out you can't cancel alchemy you were there forever and is that true i think so I i think it would be a disaster if they canceled this format i think a lot of people would be pretty happy except for the 10 percent of people who are either invested in alchemy or at this point think that they're pot committed. Like some cost. I think you're not talking to the people who would be very upset by it. I also just, just pay them out. That's not going to happen. I agree. That's the solution. That's not going to happen. Just pay them out. Nope. It's okay to be wrong. Was just a hard. No, it's okay to be wrong. It's fine. Uh, yeah. Standard numbers. Pretty damn good, honestly. I I will say, though, when your options are Historic, Alchemy, or Pioneer, or Fake Pioneer. Yeah. Not uh, a lot of competition here. I guess, I guess I'm playing Standard. And, dude, for a long time, it looked like Historic was going to be my jam. Mm-hmm. You know? Historic looked awesome. And I know that we have a lot of diehard Historic people. And yeah. I, I, I don't blame them. Uh, I think that, you know, not Free Alchemy, I loved it. Yeah, exactly. Non non rotating, like kind of cool format with its own set of quirks or whatever, playable on a snappy client. Uh, you know, it does overheat your machine, but you know, snappy client nonetheless. Snappy and warm. Yeah. Great for these winter months here in the oh, States. Oh, that's true. That's true. I think there's a lot of appeal to that. And I wish that it would have been approached with more care rather than reckless abandon. You can buy that to a lot of things recently, I'm pretty sure. Yes. Uh, yeah, consider that kind of evergreen. But Historic could have been a beloved piece of Magic's history, and now it is merely a thing that is beloved to some, but not all. And that's that's a miss, unfortunately. I mean, it, it is still relatively successful, and I don't think that it's like alchemy where it's just like, yeah, just burn it down. No, just, just, you know, try and try and fix it. Try and figure out like why the people who are there, why are they there and what do they like about it? And what are the things that they don't like? And then just don't do that crap anymore. Yeah. You know, burn, burn the fake magic cards. That's all you have to do. Just burn all the alchemy stuff. See, I think that's the solution, right? But I would like them to go through the process of actually gathering the, the data and, and figuring it out for themselves rather than listening to me. Cause they, you know, they're not going to listen to me. Right. No, and you know Alchemy does make them some money. Like it may not be as much money as they 
anticipated when they created alchemy, but there's, there's dollars coming in. They sell, you know, their stupid alchemy packs. And I could argue that like, maybe those sales go elsewhere, but when you're, yeah, same, if you're trying to serve whales, then all you need is more stuff. It doesn't matter. Like there's no limit to how many things they will buy. They will buy it all. So you should make more and more. And that is why I can't recognize half magic products anymore because if they will buy it all, you should just keep making more and more. If wizards wants to get 50 bucks from me right now, right this second, sell me a quote unquote skin that just enables me to play with like a blank battlefield that does not drain my machine and set it on fire. No. Sell me something that will just remove the assets. And so I don't have to deal with them. Now, you could argue that that would maybe further cement future buys from me uh, or like get in the way of future buys from me because would I buy a pet if I want to play with no assets? Well, no, but you tricked me into buying a pet the first time. And then I realized that it, when I turned off the pet, my machine ran a lot better and less hot. (laughs) So I can't buy pets now anyway. Oh, Lord. What a state we're in. I, I would like to. Otherwise, you know, build a client in such a way that it doesn't destroy my, my phone or my laptop. Arena and, 2.0, baby. I'm here and for then, it. And then I would buy stuff. And like, that's what you want for the whales is like the skins and the cosmetics and like, yeah, sure, more formats or whatever. But it's like the, the collectible nonsense and the stuff that they get to show off, like sell them like gold foil animated avatars, which I mean, maybe it won't burn their machine because they're whales, right? Like they probably have the best machine, but you know, I'm, I'm not going to spend 200 bucks on an avatar or something, but they might and just do that stuff instead of alchemy and then make the other formats actually good. I'm going to go with no again. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think it's going to happen. God damn it, man. I don't, I don't know how you can look that graph and, and think that alchemy is anything other than a failure. So it is funny to me where it's just like, yeah, 10%. The fake format is barely above the other fake format. What a what a rousing success this is. I don't know, man. I don't I don't have an answer for you. I, I that's another thing that's come clear through this discourse this weekend is that the reason people like discourse so much is cuz you can just shape it to mean literally whatever you want. And that has been true of the the 30th anniversary stuff a lot. Like I can't tell you how many people are like sold out products. Awesome. Wizards doing great. Everyone who says this is bad is stupid. I, like I saw plenty of those takes and I don't know how you could get to that point either, but it seems like you can you, see you, whatever you want in these you things. You start from a place of everyone is stupid and then you just look for random data points that can possibly point to that. So you can be like, ha ha, look how smart I am and how not smart you are or whatever. See, but I also think everyone is stupid. I just include myself in that. Like that, that is the key. Everyone is very stupid. Well, see, that's the thing is like, you're not so quick to, to gotcha them that you don't actually make sure that the data you're looking at is telling you what it should be telling you. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like you, yeah, like you said, you can make anything mean anything. You could look at that graph and be like, oh, like we thought alchemy was going to be 5%. Ha ha ha. Look, look where it is now. It's so good. And it's just like you're lying. You're just straight up lying. Uh, and also, standard is 
doing well. People clearly still want to play standard, even when you don't support it. So what the hell is going on here? What are we doing? Well, you can say that, but it doesn't make it true, right? And you can send those tweets, but it doesn't make you right or make you smart. So I don't know. Maybe you get some uh, e-hugs with the likes and retweets from some folks who absentmindedly just like click those buttons. And that's cool. I guess everyone wins, but then there are the actual people who feel like they know what's going on better than you do who are just like, what, what the hell are you talking about? Weird world, brother. <laughs> Very weird world. Dude, it is. I thought I knew. I thought I knew when I was like, I don't know, 14, right? And then you get to be 18 and you're like, whoa, my world perception has changed dramatically, right? And you get to like 25 and you're like, whoa, my world perception has changed dramatically, right? And that just keeps happening. And I At thought- At some was, point, you have to be like, I don't know shit. Like you just yeah. have to sign up for that. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird because like the more you learn, the more powerful you feel because you feel like you have more knowledge and- uh, more perception and everything. And you still end up just getting like the wool pulled over your eyes. So you'd think at some point I would learn, but I just immediately go back to thinking like, no, I'm pretty sure this is what reality is. And this is like, nope, inevitably that day is going to come where I'm going to be like, oh, I was way off. Yep. Yeah, that, that's fine. Just take it in stride, learn from it. And then, then you have nothing to be ashamed of. That's my opinion. I do kind of understand now where it's like, I don't know, there's situations where there are like the adults telling the kids like not to do a silly thing. And the kid is just like, like, what do you know? You know? And then the kid inevitably like blows it or something. And then it's just like, Oh, maybe they were right. Obviously they they never like use those words or whatever, but it's like, well, I was definitely wrong. This did not work out. I'm not going to do that again. And it's like, how can you have like such different perceptions of the world and like, what a person is capable of or whatever. And then the next step of that is like the boomer compared to like the 40 year old parent or whatever. And it's just like, Oh yeah. They just lived in that mindset for like another 20 years and never changed where they're just like, I know what's best. Yep. Uh, I, I think the parent was like always adapting and evolving until at some point they just stopped. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a weird thing. I, it's like the thing I fear the most in my own aging is just like, please don't stop adapting and like thinking you now understand things and are right when everyone else is wrong. And I don't know. I I feel it creep in sometimes. And like, I mean, thankfully there's some very good Simpsons memes to remind us of this fact that we may be in the wrong, you know, right. Old man yells at clouds and like, no, it is not me who's wrong. It's the children who are wrong. Yeah. Doing a valuable service to our generation for sure. And it doesn't necessarily help us. It doesn't tell us what reality is, but it does. If we remember those things in the moment, it's like, wait, no. I don't I, want the. I don't want. I could uh, be the asshole here. Anime avatar, avatar Bob six three seven two nine to post this angry meme at me. So I will go ahead and not say this. Yeah, that's fine, dude. If you just like don't say anything and move on with your life, that's way more acceptable for society. If you're just like shooting tweets off from the hip, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Net positive. Uh, so whenever you think you're about to hit send on that tweet, don't think, think of the Simpsons memes. And don't then and then and think again. Think again. Think about whether you really want to send that tweet or not. I'm gonna send it anyway. I don't give a fuck. 
It, look, if it's about flesh and blood, you probably know more than anyone, right? But uh, there's there's a few people who know more than me. Well, James, obviously, but uh, we we have a good dev team. They're they're all better flesh and blood players than me for sure. But uh, no, I'm I'm just talking about more holistically type of stuff. Like they're kind of yeah. they're kind of landlocked in New Zealand, right? And you're out and about interacting with the community. I think. Like, well, I think they're I think they're waterlocked. Actually, I think they're the opposite of landlocked. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. <laughs> by landlocked, I meant locked on land. That is by, true. By water. By water. Um, yep. So clearly, you should have understood <laughs> what mm-hmm. I meant by that. But yeah. you know what I mean. It's, I think you're you're interacting with like the community more on a worldly scale. Also, just like the size of your platform too, right? Uh, on Twitter. So yeah, no, all true. Yeah, that's it. Uh, you know. Th- Tweet from the hip, dude, about pew, fam. Pew, pew. Any, anything else? Maybe maybe think of the memes. Okay. Deal. Game. Good luck.